Um, I think runners, runners aren't sensible creatures. They need to be real. They need to be reeled in. Disruns Radio episode 830 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, I've made no secret over the years of the fact that I run on coffee and uh, somehow, you know, the, the, the spirits have aligned, the, the heavens parted and uh, about a year ago, I got my own coffee line. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy thing that I'm still, I mean, I get it, but it's still kind of hard for me to, you know, I kind of have to pinch myself to think that there's, there's such a thing as Diz Runs Coffee, but it's out there. And if you feel like you need a cup of good coffee right now, which I don't know. I'll be bold enough to say that even the non-coffee drinkers among us might be like, damn, I just need a good cup of coffee right now. If that sounds like you, point your browser to disruns.com slash coffee. It'll redirect you over to uh, my my page on the Siskin Roasters, uh, which is a, a obviously a, a coffee roasting company on, on their website. Um, and you can get yourself a bag or two bags or a dozen bags um, of really good coffee. And, uh, in you, in so doing, you're supporting the show, you're supporting, um, you know, another small business in the United States, Siskin Roasters, who's a, a friend of the show. And, uh, maybe most importantly, you're supporting yourself with some good Java, some good, uh, bean juice in your cup every morning. Uh, can't, can't say enough good things about a good cup of coffee. And, uh, with the, the, the coffee from Siskin Roasters that you can get disruns.com slash coffee, you will get. A cup of good coffee. So uh, if you've tried it, let me know how you like it. I like to think that you will all have positive reviews of it. If you haven't tried it yet, go get you some right now. Disruns.com slash coffee. You don't have to leave the house to get it. It will be delivered right to the door so you can keep your social distancing. You can keep your stay at home uh, and you can keep your coffee cup full. Disruns.com slash coffee. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, so uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while now, you know that uh, some of my favorite people to talk to are those that uh, can can help us all to stay healthy and fit as we work towards our running goals. And uh, that's definitely the case with today's guest. She is a physical therapist that specializes in working with runners, both in person and virtually. So that's that's a, a nice little twist from some of the folks we've had on in the past. Um, but she works to not only help solve issues that they are currently dealing with, but uh, you know my my favorite topic here is trying to prevent issues from cropping up to begin with. So uh, she's b- working both with athletes that are currently injured and hopefully those that are trying to stay, uh, trying to avoid injuries and stay healthy and running and working towards their goals uh, long term. So needless to say, I'm pretty sure there are more than a few things that uh, will, that I'll be looking forward to talking to you and learning and uh, hopefully a few things that you'll be able to learn from today's episode as well. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Rebecca Smith to the show. Uh, Rebecca, thanks for joining us and, uh, and welcome to these parts of the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. And, and a shout out to Tommy for uh, recommending this one. He uh, works with you in some of your strength training classes and a regular emailer to me of stuff that we talk about on the show. So Tommy, thank you for the shout out. Thanks for the connection here. Um, and guys, if you want to find out more about what Rebecca's got going on, some of the resources she has available, the virtual stuff, things like that, um, you know, in case you're struggling with something that we talk about today that you think she might be able to help you with, Core Values 
PTOrlando.com is the, is the website. So core values, PT for a physical therapist, Orlando, which gives you an idea of what part of the world she might be in. Uh, <laughs> .com is the website on Facebook. If you want to connect there and get, again, resources and questions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's the same, same handle there. Just on, on Facebook, just search for core values, PT Orlando. And if you're on Instagram, she's got lots of good, good resources, good information on Instagram as well. Uh, the handle there is different. So you got to remember this one separately from core values, PT Orlando, and it is at dr.rebecca.smith.pt. So Dr. Rebecca Smith with, with the old periods in between each spot. And, and because I am married to a Rebecca that spells her name differently, it's always behooves me to make sure we're spelling Rebecca right here. Uh, it's her, her spelling is probably the one that, that I used to be most familiar with before, uh, before fate did what it did for me. Uh, but it's Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A. So dr.rebecca.smith.pt on the Instagrams. And if your head is spinning, you're not sure which way is up right now, just point your browser back to the show notes. We'll have everything linked up as we always do. Dizruns.com slash 830 is the link to take you back to the show notes today. We'll have website links, social media links, uh, links to anything we else we talk about that makes sense to, to reference back to uh, all in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash 830. So, uh, Rebecca, now that we've got that stuff out of the way, let's let's dive into the fun stuff. And the, and the way we start off each episode of the show uh, is with the same question. Uh, very simple for me to ask for some people. A very simple one to answer as well. Some Some runners, though, it's a little bit more difficult because there's a lot of great options out there. But uh, the way we always like to start off, same, same simple question. Here we go. What is your favorite distance to race and why? Okay, so I'm actually relatively new to racing per se. I've been running for about 10 years. I did my first half in 2014, which I loved. But then just this last year, I started doing the fulls. So I've run two fulls, and I absolutely love the full distance. I think it just gives you so much time um, to kind of prove yourself. Um, and there's so much that you can't predict during a race. I had a race where I saw all sorts of different weather from start to finish. It was Marine Corps this last year, started out cold, rainy, started, then it got hot and humid and rainy, and then it just got sunny and hot. And I just was like, what the hell is happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) So I like that it can be pretty unpredictable. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had written down as a, as a possible topic to discuss Marine Corps 2019, um, because I, I saw in, in some of the photos that uh, you'd sent over for me to, to put in the show notes here that there was a, a, a Marine Corps bib uh, in, in the race. And I recognized it because I ran Marine Corps this year as well. Uh, so I certainly know firsthand what the weather was like. But, um, you know, again, I mean, there's, there's a dozen places that I can always end up going usually after that, that introductory question. But again, since, since you brought up Marine Corps, um, navigating those, the different weather situations, um, I mean, that brings its own level of challenge to even the most veteran uh, marathoners. I, I know some folks that have run, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of marathons saying that was like one of the toughest days that they've, that they've ever had for you being still fairly new in your marathon career. I mean, you kind of got thrown off, thrown into the, the gauntlet there, but what was, what was your Marine Corps, you know, between all the different weather situations and, and the hot and the, the rain and the whole nine yards, how did, uh, how did the race go for you? You know, it was it was not as good as I had uh, maybe thought it was going to go. I think I wasn't as expected for the hills. I didn't mm-hmm. train as well as maybe I should have for the hills. So that threw me off, I think, more than the weather. Um, but you know what? The crowd support was fantastic. I was still really excited. It was still a great turnout. Um, and actually, I've only run two marathons. And my first marathon was also a huge tropical storm that came through. Mm-hmm. So I've run 100% of my marathons in really bad weather. So I would take Marine Corps in bad weather over any other race any day. So it wasn't too bad. Um, I did see a lot of people with some pretty 
kind of interesting hacks. I saw people, you know, walking around barefoot, carrying their shoes in a plastic bag. I saw people covered in trash bags. I saw people, you know, with uh, shower caps on their hats Mm -hmm. to keep their head dry. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be wet. You're going to be squishy. You're going to be soggy. So I didn't really take any drastic measures um, to, to kind of protect myself from the rain. And, you know, you just you just go in it expecting that use a lot of uh, body glide make sure you're not going to get any uh, injuries that way and just have fun with it yeah that was uh that was something that I, i've run a few races in in some pretty good weather like that um which note to self if you're two for two with with rough weather um don't sign up for <laughs> races with rebecca anytime soon at least let her prove herself yeah. that she can she can run a race or run a marathon at least when the weather is is cooperative but uh yeah it always kind of makes me chuckle a little bit even though i think i probably do it as well, but like that whole trying to like avoid the puddles or avoid the, the, the water, try to stay dry, as dry as possible when it's like, I mean, you're running, you're running 26 miles or 13 miles or, or whatever, three miles. If you're doing just a 5k, but it's raining out, like you're going to be wet. So, you know, if you're wet for a few extra minutes because you, you didn't have uh, every layer uh, covered as possible in the start line area, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, it, like I said, it makes me chuckle, but I know I, I'm guilty of trying to dodge puddles here and there too until finally you just go the hell with it and just start trudging through and not worry about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd rather get splashed with raindrops than get splashed with the uh, sweaty guy in front of me, his sweat <laughs> flying off of him. So I'll take rain over sweat splash any day. <laughs> fair, fair enough, and it, hard, to, hard to argue with that kind of logic. So um, how'd you get started in, in running, Rebecca? You said about 10 years ago or so you got kind of started into it. Where, yeah. where did the, uh, the spark come from? So, well, I grew up in, I grew up playing water polo and swimming. So I was always in the water. I never really truly enjoyed land sports per se. Um, but then when I started practicing as a physical therapist, I started treating runners and I hated it. I didn't like it. I was like, well, I can't, I can't not understand where my patient in front of me is coming from. So honestly, the first thing that I started doing was I read the book born to run and that just kind of changed my thought process on running in general. Now it helped me positively. I've also had plenty of patients who've become injured after reading born to run. So you have to have that education piece in your head when, when you're changing your running mechanics, but it really did just kind of spark this fire inside me. And I was like, all right, I kind of want to see what I can do. So I just started slowly. I kind of changed my mechanics. I was a big heel striker, had always had problems with knee pain and shin splints. Um, and then I kind of transitioned more to like the midfoot, but it, it was like a six month transition period. I didn't, I didn't go, you know, hard right away and just kind of go out for a six mile run running on my toes, you know, the first, the first time. So I eased into it. I strengthened the muscles I needed to, I made sure I had the range of motion I needed to. And, um, yeah, it really made my running more efficient. I, I didn't do anything race wise, for a while, I traveled for a while and actually was able to run in different countries, which was really, really wonderful. And um, I signed up for my first half just, uh, I think it was maybe a few months before my wedding. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll try to run some down a little bit more, get a little more kind of competitive with it. And um, yeah, I, I loved the race. I thought it was really fun. I loved crossing the finish line, getting a medal, feeling proud of myself. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> as, as most folks listening probably can relate, once, once it kind of gets its teeth into you, uh, like you said, uh-huh. you're hooked. Like there's, there's, no, there's no going back. Um, but, but I am going to go back a little bit. So kind of those, those early days of, of getting into it, I understand the motivation. You know, if you're working with a lot of runners and, and um, a lot of folks that are in kind of, you know, the, the, some of the hands-on medical fields, you know, I, certainly something that, that was always important to us in, in athletic training, uh, you know, going through the, the education for that was knowing what your athletes, your patients are, are going through. What, what are some of the, the common, you know, uh, not only just the common injuries, but 
but the the activities they're doing so you can relate and you can try to offer um intelligent advice from somebody who knows what they're going through as opposed to oh yeah just you know try this and see what happens type of thing um but all that to say to kind of set up the question you know you're you're in the the getting into running a little bit to help you as a as a physical therapist but you're dealing with a lot of the the aches and the pains and the the heel striking like you said um was there ever a point in those early days where you were just like you know what i've run a few times like i've i've picked up you know i've done a five miler here and there like this hurts and it because it hurts it kind of sucks and you know what i think i'm good enough to be able to work with runners now like i know what i'm i know what i've i know what i know i know what what they're going through and uh just kind of wiping your hands of the running was was that ever something that kind of entered into your your stream of thought not at all. I never want to give myself only half of what's available. I don't want to sell myself short. So I know that there is a way to run properly. And I know there's a, you know, that wall you have to push through. And so I wouldn't ever want to stop short and be like, well, I hate running. It didn't work for me, but let me help you with your running. Like that's so hypocritical. Now you don't have to be, you know, an elite cyclist to be able to help, you know, a cyclist with their injuries. But I think you can't absolutely hate an activity and not understand it and not how to work through, you know, the musculoskeletal side of it while trying to treat that patient population. I just, I just don't think it works. And, and that kind of, I think I can extend out this logic, but obviously correct me if I'm wrong. Um, one of the things I noticed on the, on the website when looking through it a little bit and, and preparing for, for our chat today is, uh, I think it said something along the lines of, you know, I'm not just going to tell you, you can't do you're, you know, you can't, you can't run because you've got this running injury. Like we're going to work with it and figure out how to, to make it work. So I assume that there's kind of some, some, that kind of goes into it as well, because, because you love running now, you figured that out. Um, you recognize that if a runner comes to, to, has a problem, they come to, to you for, for help and, and helping to find a solution, um, that trying to just tell them, Hey, just don't run for six weeks when it's, when it's something that isn't serious enough that that really is the, the best course of action, um, is probably not going to work well, probably may not make them be the best patient, which is going to make for the results to not be what you want. So it all kind of spirals down when you, when you go into it with that type of an attitude. Yeah, no, I think, I think runners are exactly that they're, they're a runner. They become this identity as a runner. And when you take that away from people, they lose that sense of identity. They lose that sense of community. So if you can provide even some sort of, you know, semblance to their normalcy, then they'll, they'll love you a thousand times for it. If you can get them to run even just a hundred yards at a time or just a few miles here and there, um, and, and keep them, keep them keeping that identity as a runner. It's really, it really makes a huge difference. in like that therapeutic alliance and then buying into you as a clinician, because if you just tell them to stop, they're, they're going to walk out your door. They're not going to come back. Um, and then they're going to think physical therapy doesn't work, or they're going to think you as a provider doesn't work. And that's not the case. There are providers out there who understand what you're going through. And my goal as a physical therapist is to know how to maintain an athlete's fitness and performance while rehabbing around a specific injury. So I, I will never tell someone, I will very rarely tell <laughs> I was someone. Say, choose your words carefully. <laughs> Let me change that. <laughs> I will very rarely tell someone that they have to stop running. Um, and I'll never tell someone that they can never get back to running. Right. It's never an end all be all. There's always ways to work it back into their life. You just got to find the right, the right formula. Right. Right. Um, kind of, you know, staying along this, some of the same lines, but shifting, shifting the focus a little bit, uh, maybe even going back a little bit farther, but what was, what was the, uh, the impetus to get into the PT world? You know, was that something that's always kind of been, I know, I know for me, I can remember, you know, like 10 years old, like I wanted to be, like I recognized I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, 
but I really like sports. And so like, Hey, here's, here's a, you know, a, a, a career path that I could, that I could go down, um, that would still keep me around athletics still kind of keep me in the, the, the locker room type of situation and, and be around sports. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows, who knows how far I'll take it and what it ended up being, but that was kind of the, the, the spark for me. What about you? Was there, was there a, a similar thing or how did you fall into, it may not fall into, but how did you choose the path of physical therapy for your career? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up an athlete. I was always kind of like that tomboy running out, playing with the guys, you know, doing sports. Um, I found swimming. I was very good at swimming from an early age and growing up in Florida, it was easy for me to do. And I found water polo in high school. I became, that became my life. That became my identity. I played water polo in college. Um, and I actually hurt my back my freshman year of college and went to physical therapy at the same time I had entered college uh, as pre-med. My dad is an orthopedic surgeon. So I was always surrounded by that medical field. And I absolutely loved medicine. I would walk around the hospitals with him. I would shadow with him at his office. I would uh, go into surgeries with him and and observe. So I I really loved the medical side. Um, But when I was a freshman, I was kind of balancing the thought of me being a woman and wanting to have a family someday and wanting to have a work-life balance and then kind of seeing the relationship that my dad had as an orthopedic surgeon and then as a father. And he was, he was absolutely an amazing father. He did everything he could to be at our, you know, our games to come home for dinner, you know, but it was still hard. He was on call weird hours. He was always working. Um, so I was like, is this really how I want to see my life? Do I want to be 27, 28 by the time I'm, you know, starting a career? So, like I said, I hurt my back, started physical therapy, and it just all the pieces fell into place for me to feel to feel like this was a perfect career path for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so you know, you 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 kind of fall into it uh, a little bit because of of an injury. Uh, which funny how that works out. You you get exposed to to not only to what physical therapists do, but hopefully to the impact that they can make to to the athlete to help you get back to to uh, your competition, your your sport of, of choice. Um, and then, and then how did you end up, I know you, that because you were working with a bunch of runners, that's kind of how you got into running, but how did you end up in a situation where, where runners were, a you know, a pretty regular, uh, group of the, the clients that you were working with? Um, I think it just kind of happened by chance based on the locations I was working in. So I was in Washington, DC for a few years and I was part of the sports medicine clinic there and our focus was just running. So I attended a ton of running conferences. I really enjoyed it. Running in DC is absolutely amazing. So I was running more often. People were always kind of out and about on the trails. So it was, it was really well suited for me to learn more about running mechanics. Um, I took a fantastic course with Brian Heiderscheidt out of the University of Wisconsin. And I was like, ah, oh, there's so much I want to learn and so much I still need to know. And it just kind of I'm kind of a nerd, so I, I like learning. I like reading research articles. I like going to conferences. So, um, and then when I moved to Florida, I I moved to Florida in 27. I moved to Orlando in 2017 after I had my son, and um, I worked at a clinic where the owner was a marathon runner. He ran, you know, five a year, and that was his thing. And um, I decided to sign up for a marathon after seeing, uh, the Boulder Ironman finishes. And I was just super motivated. I was like, if they can do this, if they can do an Ironman, I can do one marathon. So I signed up for the marathon and everyone in Orlando is big into running. Like I said, my, my, the clinic that I was working at huge into treating runners and just everything kept falling into place and kept guiding me back towards runners. Is, is just who I love working with. Anytime I got, an athlete on the treadmill or I ran through a, you know, a movement screen. It just, it just fueled me. It just gave me passion. I loved it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny to me how, you know, getting some of those exposures that may seem kind of, maybe are kind of happenstance can really have such a, such an impact because I can think back to my, um, you know, being in, in high school and kind of, you know, I've already kind of thought that I wanted to do this athletic training thing, but then you know, I grew up in a small town and we had like one physical therapy clinic and it was, you know, I was in there, I think I was doing some shadowing or something like that kind of pre-college type of, of type of thing. And it was like, you know, hate to, to say it this way, but it was like lots of geriatrics, lots of post-op, like real, real low key, um, uh, types of, of work that they were doing with the, with the patients that they were with. And I just remember thinking like, oh God, there's no way the physical therapy, like, no, 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 no. But being in, you know, but, but the way it worked for you, I could totally see, you know, being in more of a, of a sports centered clinic, um, could be, could be fantastic. And certainly we could have checked all the same boxes that I was trying to get, get out with, without that training. So all that to say, just kind of how pieces can fall together. And then, you know, sure enough, I'll try one, one marathon and then, you know, I'll do another one. And then who knows where, where, uh, what the number is going to end up, but I got a feeling it's going to be more than two when it's all said and done. Yeah, I'm supposed to do grandmas in June, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not with everything <laughs> that's going on. But I definitely have a BQ in my in my sights, so I'm, I'm working for that goal. Um, but yeah, just going back to what you said about like the physical therapy clinics in general and like a huge geriatric population or, you know, just some sick people. So I was learning a lot about runners, but then the clinics that I was working in, you'd you'd get a few every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't really able to harness that passion. So that's why I kind of opened up my own practice. I wanted to treat the patients that I wanted to treat and I wanted to treat them the way I wanted to treat them. So if I have, you know, Gladys, who's 90 on the table, and then I have, you know, Beth, who's 42 running a marathon and she wants me to, you know, go out with her to the treadmill. I can't leave Gladys on the table by herself. So there was a little bit of restriction in terms of how far I could take each, each patient. And, um, you know, when you have three patients at once and then one of them is a runner, you, you really want to give them that undivided attention. And sometimes it's just not available. So now I have my own, I open my own clinic in September and I'll have people there for an hour and a half to two hours. Sometimes, you know, they're scheduled for an hour, but sometimes, you know, we just Mm -hmm. keep talking. We just keep going over passions. By the time I get them on the treadmill, you know, an hour, hours already passed. So it's just, it's just something that I'm so passionate about. And, um, yeah, the, the, being the being your own boss is is pretty cool because you can you can't blame anyone if something goes wrong except yourself and no one can get mad at you for doing things your way. So I'm really happy I started my own practice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And that, that kind of brings me to um, a couple of questions, or at least a, a, at least one question. We'll see where it, where it takes us and where that uh, causes me to come up with the next question afterwards. But um, you know, for those that that are listening, that you know, hopefully right now don't need the services of, of a personal trainer, sorry, of a physical therapist, but at some point down the line, maybe they do. Um, you know, some people might be from a town like, like I was where there is one PT and that's, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but can you speak to maybe the, the benefits, the pros, cons of, of, if you live in a place where you have options, maybe making the effort to go see, uh, a, a PT that does specialize in at least in working with like athletics population and even more so if they have the opportunity to somebody like yourself who really specializes in, in runners and, and again, not to, not to slam the other, the other PTs out there, but just being able to work with somebody who really gets it for lack of a better way of saying it, of what us runners are going through versus somebody who's maybe not a runner themselves or doesn't work with a, a predominantly active running type of, of client set. Yeah. Um, I think it's tricky because you definitely, a lot of people there, I'm like, how did you, 
find me? Like my last job, how did you find me? Oh, well, you popped up on Google or my doctor sent me here. You know, I, I really was looking for that person who sought me out because they knew the quality of the services provided. The reason I think that's important is because you can just end up wasting your time doing just generic exercises, going to a clinic two or three times a week, spending an hour there, whatever your co-pays are, and not necessarily getting to the root of the problem. So I had a an athlete a few weeks ago come in and she was just having really bad calf pain and she was concerned she had a tear and she had a triathlon coming up the following week. Um, she had been to physical therapy. She was doing all these calf exercises and stretches. And, and I asked her, I was like, did anyone get you on the treadmill and watch you run? And she said, no, no one's ever talked to me about that before. I got her up on the treadmill and she was just pogoing toe mm -hmm. off, toe off, toe off, toe off. And she wasn't, you know, her forward momentum was limited and she was just, you know, getting excessive height. So we just worked on her mechanics a little bit and she never needed to see me again. Um, it, it was just an efficient, this is what we need to focus on type session where she had been to physical therapy for four weeks prior and hadn't made any gains. So I think just taking the time to kind of do that research, make sure you're going to see someone who really knows what they're talking about so that it's efficient for you and you're not wasting your time and your money. Um, cause it's frustrating if you have to, mm -hmm. if you're dealing with pain for four to six weeks, or you have to stop running for four to six weeks and you're not making the improvements that you need to make it, that's frustrating. I don't want that for anyone. Yeah. And especially and if, uh, the okay. other I was, sorry, I was just going to say, and if I can't help you, I'll definitely try my hardest to find someone who can, because right. I don't want to waste your time either. Right. Well, yeah. And I, and I was going to add on that, which you kind of hinted at, but like you're doing everything they're asking you to do and you're not seeing any progress. Like, like talk about, it's one thing to be frustrated, but you feel like you're making a little bit of progress, but it's another thing when like nothing is, is, and we just keep doing, you know, the same thing. And, and, you know, and again, maybe that kind of goes back to, like you mentioned earlier with you're seeing three plate, three patients at once. So it's like, you can't, just from a time management perspective, like you, you can't give, um, as much individualized attention because you're, you're juggling three different people and the machine's beeping over here and you got to take care of this thing right. over here. And, and you just got too many, you know, too many proverbial plates up in the air. Um, talking about, about, um, well, with, with using this, this one particular example of, of kind of pogoing and staying on her, on her toes with with her running. Um, this is something that, uh, that, that, I feel like I've, I've had these conversations with a couple of folks before as well, and I would love to maybe dive into a little bit more. So, um, and I'll, I'll set the table a little bit for the listener and also, so you kind of, you know, which, which, you know, where I'm coming at with my question, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk, so maybe not as much as there used to be, especially, you know, you, you mentioned born to run earlier and the idea of, of heel striking causing a lot of, a lot of problems. Um, and so, you know, maybe switch into more of a four foot strike, um, mid foot strike either, either, or, but definitely trying to avoid the, the heel striking um, but sometimes what can happen, and I've seen this and it sounds like this is what, what the, the lady you just mentioned was dealing with is almost confusing the idea that like, I don't want to land on my heel, but that it's okay if my heel still touches the ground. Like I don't need to, I'm not trying to run on my tiptoes. Um, so, you know, again, for lack of a, maybe for lack of a better way of, of asking the question, what is when somebody is, is trying to maybe avoid heel striking, if they're having some problems, they're trying to change that up. Um, what, why, why is, is then maybe defaulting to running on your toes, um, with, with not letting the heel come down, which I'm trying to ask this question in a way that makes sense, but also, <laughs> um, um, and I'm also obviously struggling with that, but, but why is, is those, those two extremes, why is the, maybe that, that happy medium or the middle, more of a happy medium, um, for lack of a better way of asking the question, I'll just shut up now. And then if I, if I think of a better way to ask, ask the question, I'll ask it again. But I think, I hope you know where I'm going with it. You know, heel striking, do. we don't like running yeah. on your toes, also not good. Why? 
Okay. So most runners are inherently heel strikers. That That's fine. There's not necessarily anything wrong with heel striking. Um, when heel striking becomes an issue is if someone has an, a chronic issue with, you know, shin splints or knee pain, then I might tweak their running mechanics to offload, you know, the front of the shin or the knee. So when you heel strike, you have more forces going up the chain and the knee suffers for it. But if you change your mechanics, you got to think, well, that load is going to go somewhere. So if you change to more of a forefoot pattern, where's the load going to go? It's going to go to the metatarsals, which are the bones in the foot. It's going to go to the muscles in the foot. It's going to go to the Achilles tendon, the calf. Okay. So you've got to balance where you want those loads to go. And if you have knee pain and you want to change, you know, from a heel strike to more of a forefoot pattern, you have to ease into it. You can't just go from running six miles as a heel striker to running six miles as a forefoot striker because you're going you're gonna to mess some stuff up. Right. Um, I don't think that there is necessarily a right way to run. I think uh, Greg Lehman, he's a, a physiotherapist out of Canada, but he really kind of just likes to, he nails it on the head with this one. He's like, does it pass the BS test? Does it look like, Does it, what does it look like? Does it look like you know, does it smell like? So mm -hmm. if, if you get someone on the treadmill and it just looks absolutely horrible, you can, you can give very subtle changes such as, you know, maybe look at their cadence, their step rate, maybe give them cues on just how they're landing. They just might need to soften their landing a little bit. Um, and they don't necessarily need to change or you don't need to tell them change from a heel striker to a four foot striker. Some of those changes might inherently happen in a more natural way. And the forces will kind of get dissipated more evenly. Um, I think that was where you were going with that question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It was. And, and, um, you know, lots, lots of things in there that, uh, that, that I think are very vital to remember. Um, but maybe the most important one and, and, and for this example, but for lots of other examples as well, is that, you know, when, when we're trying to, to make changes from a clinician perspective or just from a runner perspective, you read a book and you're like, oh, I, like, I need to try this thing or, or whatever. Um, go with the smaller adjustments first before making some type of major right. overhaul or else, like you said, the force has to go somewhere and now you're putting it on, on parts of your body that aren't used to bearing such force and you're kind of asking for a problem if you do that. Right. You know, and I've had people who've had been a four foot runner and they're like I said they're pogoing all over the place they're just not running efficiently and I've had them you know lengthen their stride which you rarely hear someone mm -hmm. be advised to do but someone's had to lengthen their stride make sure they're contacting more you know back on the back on the foot closer to the heel so it really just depends on the person in front of me and it also depends on their you know their body type their mechanics you know any past injuries so it really is not just one size fits all when it comes to running mechanics yeah absolutely and then you know, also mixed in there, which is something that you mentioned after, you know, in response to my terrible, terribly worded and, and drawn out <laughs> question. Um, but, you know, if you are doing X, Y, Z, if you're heel striking, if your form is this form is that something that you read here and there um, that isn't quote unquote right, but you're not having any problems, maybe it's not the best to, to make all these changes and, and go looking for problems if you can avoid it. Right, right. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, Kind of, of, of shifting gears slightly, but still talking in the in the in the uh, physical therapy realm. Um, you know, obviously, one thing that you do, like like I mentioned it in the in the intro, and it's it's on the website as well. Um, working with people online. Um, what what is what does that kind of look like? Because again, you know, for my my especially back in when I was in high school, like you know, I mean, I guess that was before the internet existed like we know it today, and and we have as many options as we have. But you know, like physical therapy was always kind of one of those hands on type of things. Like you go see 
the, the, the therapists and, and they're doing the different modalities, they're doing the different treatments, the different techniques. Um, how does that, how does that work for somebody who's, you know, listening in, in Kansas right now and they're like, gosh, I like, I like what she's saying. I would love to, to, you know, see if she can help me with this issue that, that the PT that I've been seeing, we haven't made it anywhere. How does it, how does it work to work with a, a, a patient online? So in, so I'm licensed in the state of Florida, so I can practice physical therapy, telehealth in the state of Florida. So virtually I'm available to do running assessments and programming for people all over the, all over the country. Um, but physical therapy related issues, you, there's so much you can do just by, just by speaking, just by watching someone move, just by, you know, educating a person on what's going on. So, you know, if someone has low back pain and they're, you know, they're not a runner, I don't, I don't only work with runners, Mm -hmm. but if they have low back pain and I can see like a movement fault or, you know, an anxiety, I can, I can bring their stress levels down. I can show them how to move better, how to, you know, function better. And that improves their pain. That is so much more beneficial than to me just massaging their back. So it really, it really depends on the person in front of me. Now, if someone, you know, has a crick in their neck and they can't turn their head and, you know, they need that hands-on quick fix, you know, cervical manipulations and soft tissue work, that's a little different. Mm -hmm. Now there are certain things that you can do to educate a person and, and how to get that range of motion back themselves. Um, so there, there's a ton of valuable information that can be provided over the computer, just like we are right now. I would have a person set the phone up or the computer up so I can see them move different angles. If they have, if they're a runner, I'd have them film them running, send me, you know, the running videos so I can assess it and give them feedback. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just, there's so much to be said for just a, a good conversation of listening to the person in front of you. And, and a lot of times patients kind of know the answers themselves and they just don't have a person who lets them say it. (laughs) So you just got to listen sometimes and, and it it really is successful. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I feel like that's, that's, uh, um, something I've seen play out in multiple avenues where it's just like, you know, having that, that expert, having that, that mentor, whatever, you know, whichever, avenue it might be in but like just it just kind of helps the conversation in, in my own head sometimes play out and it's like oh yeah like i guess i did know that i guess it wasn't but like you overthink things or whatever and so you get somebody to to help you with that um another thing that i that i know you you offer and this is i think this is what tommy has, has worked with you with which is how we got set up to begin with originally was uh kind of is working with runner focused strength training um and and mm-hmm. anybody that's, that's listened to the show uh for me with me for a while knows that i'm a fan of strength training i'm a believer in it i think it's it's very valuable and i think it's something that uh at least in the past and probably still in the present too many runners neglect it as not important and you know i just I'm, I'm a runner i run that's it um so maybe starting a little bit broad but then then narrowing in as we as we go a little bit um, I, I feel like I've asked this question to just about every personal trainer and physical therapist and, and running coach, uh, that, that has a bent towards the, the benefits of strength training over the years. But in, in your words, uh, because I know sometimes people tune me out, but they, they listen to, they listen better to folks that are a different voice. Um, why is strength training so important for us as, as runners? Well, strength training is just, it makes you a more efficient athlete in general. So it's going to increase your, your tissue tolerance. So if your, if your calves and your Achilles tendons are strong, they're going to tolerate the, the loads, you know, from running a lot better. So that is my biggest drive is it's just going to increase your tissues tolerance to what you're putting it through on the road. Um, cross training is, is just so important to kind of take some of the load off of, you know, the repetitive plyometric nature of running, but then also still provide, you know, stimulus to, to the legs and the muscle, to the muscles involved in running. Um, I think runners 
runners aren't sensible creatures. They need to be real. They need to be reeled in. Chris Johnson likes to say that, um, they need to be reeled in. And sometimes getting them on a strength training program really opens their eyes up to what their limitations are. And they're like, Oh, right. I am human. I am a little bit weak in this area. I'm not as, I'm not as efficient as I could be. Um, and so I think it's a humbling experience as well. I'll have, you know, some people in the class are Ironmen and, and they can't stand on one leg. I'm just like, how, how do you cross the finish line? So it's, it's nice to kind of bring people in and realize, oh, I can't stand on one leg. How much better would I be at racing if I, if I could do my balance exercises, if I had more strength in my, in my Achilles and my, in my calves, like how, you know, how much better would I be performing if I could maintain an upright posture if my back and my core got stronger? So I think it's important in that respect. I would love to say that strength training decreases injury risk, but it just, the research just doesn't support it. I do think that it just makes you a stronger, healthier, more resilient runner in general, but there's a lot that goes into injury risk just beyond like the, the physical nature. So the training load, and then also what you're doing outside of you know, outside of the the road that is imp- impacting your ability to recover. Right, right. Did that answer? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great okay. answer. Um, one thing I'd love to unpack a little bit more. You mentioned the balance, but you you know, you said that there's that you see some people in the strength training classes where all you know, kind of think they're almost invincible, or there's there's this not to say that they're not, but that this is a great athlete, like an Ironman. I mean, I think of an Ironman. That's pretty pretty darn good athlete, well rounded. Uh, but then they, they get doing some exercise, and it's humbling a little bit. Um, besides balance, what are maybe a couple other areas where you know, I mean, pretty much anybody listening right now can just you know check their balance and be like, oh, like either I'm fairly stable or I'm not. Are there some other pretty pretty uh, simple tests or movements or things like that, that, that we as runners might think that we're, we're, we're pretty well fit, but then, you know, like you said, where are, where are some of these humbling uh, activities that, that really kind of show that maybe we're not in, in as good of balance as we think we are? Yeah. So my two, that's always like the gotcha moment is just a single leg heel raise. Like if you, if you can't do 20 in a row on one leg, maintaining the same height and maintaining the same tempo, that should be a a goal of yours, three sets of 15 to 20 reps. Um, but then also the side plank with, with the leg raise, you really should have that lateral hip control to withstand the forces that are applied to it during running. Um, and people really cannot side plank with a leg raise. So that's also something that's really like, Ooh, eye opening. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself right now, like, I think I could handle the toe raises. I would be, I, you know, it might be the last couple might be a little wobbly, but I think I could get there, but yeah, I can do a side plank all day, but raising that leg up, that's, that's exactly. So adding that leg raise really changes it. How so? I mean, can we, and, and again, recognizing that we talked about before we got officially started that we can't get too technical maybe into all of the, the, the craziness and the terms and the, and the uh, anatomy and whatnot, but what, what is it about raising the leg that A, increases the difficulty, and B, why does working to improve that help us as, as runners? Yeah. So when you have, so if you can imagine yourself in the side plank, you're on your elbow and you're on your both feet. So no mm-hmm. leg raise. You have the lever of the top leg and the contact point of the foot on top of the other foot. So that's taking a lot of the body weight away from just the bottom leg. When you raise that leg up, all of the body weight is now being distributed between the contact point of your elbow and that small contact point of your foot as you know, however Mm -hmm. tall you are, however far away that is from each other. So there's a lot more load going through that lateral hip than if you just have your foot down, your other foot down. Um, why is that important? So if you think about running every time you land and your foot is going forward, you're not just, you're not just going forward and back, but the, but you also have that frontal plane alignment 
Um, so that's where your I don't want to get too technical, but that's where your pelvis, you, you want your pelvis to remain level every time you land on the ground. So if you're stepping and as you contact that right leg and your pelvis drops on the left side, that's usually indicating some weakness on that hip on that right side. And that translates to, to issues at the knee, the IT band. So those are, those are some really common running-related injuries. So getting those hips nice and strong to withstand those forces and keep your pelvis level is just, I think, is so important. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 as, as I'm sitting here, just, you know, kind of, uh, thinking for my own self, it's like, you know, I think that because I can do the side planks and, and, and whatnot, um, that, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty good there. I'm checking that box, but, uh, but yeah, you know, taking that, that leg up and raising that a little bit, um, you know, a, a whole new challenge, but, but, you know, we've, I've talked, Lots of other folks have talked. I'm sure you've mentioned it in various places beyond beyond just our conversation today. You know the value of, of strong hips and strong core, strong glutes, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I know I've gotten questions in the past. I'm sure I'll get questions in the future about working to engage the glutes more and getting the glutes firing during our running. Um, does the side plank with the raised leg help with that at all? And if if not, what are some maybe some exercises that we can do to to help engage our glutes a bit more so that when we're running, we're powering ourselves with our glutes as opposed to just using all hamstrings and hip flexors and things like that. Yeah, so the side plank is going to ta- is going to target the glute medius and the glute minimus a little bit more, which is more on the outside of the hip. Um, the glute max is more posterior. That's kind of like that big meaty, you know, booty booty mm-hmm. muscle that everyone looks at, and that does more hip extension. So you definitely want to have you know, both sides of the hip strong. You want to have all sides of the hip strong. You want to have flexion, adduction, hip hip extension, abduction. So you really want to have strength all around. Um, So like I said, that side plank is really good for that lateral glute muscle. Um, Side side stepping with a band around your ankles is also really important. Just kind of work on that Mm weight-bearing lateral hip, um, you know, strength and stability. Um, to do more of the extension, so the the glute the glute in the back, the the meteor part, those are those can be targeted more with like a like a deadlift, a bridge, those type of exercises that promote that hip extension. Um, you're not really, I've never really told someone, you know, think about firing your glute while you're running. Like it should it should all be a natural process. Um, I think that as things get stronger and the motor programming improves, it will just naturally translate right. into improved running mechanics. I don't think you ever have to actively think, okay, I'm on my right leg. Okay, now contract this muscle. Mm-hmm. Now contract this muscle. Okay, now I'm going to my left leg. Now switch. Now con- It just kind of flows. But as you get stronger and the muscles, yeah, like I said, that motor programming improves, it will just happen naturally. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's a good thing. You know, a lot of us, at least you go running to try to help quiet the mind. And so if you're trying to think about too much about fire, this fire, that kind of defeats that, that purpose. But yeah, you know, doing, doing some of those exercises, like you said, the bridges, the deadlifts, um, things that, that you feel in the, in the, in the glutes the next day, like those are the things that are going to help your glutes to fire more when you're running without thinking about it. You just have to do them. Exactly. Um, kind of, I I think maybe getting close to to wrapping up here today, but, but at least one more, uh, kind of strength training ish question. And again, kind of continuing to narrow down a little bit more from, from where we started, but, uh, something that maybe I've struggled with a little bit in the past. And I think I'm starting to maybe see the light on, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, um, the difference between, um, like a runner focused or a specifically, you know, runner created, uh, strength training program versus not, not necessarily just a super generic, but, but, a running a strength training program that's not designed for runners. Um, why, why is maybe having something that's a little bit more runner specific important for us as runners? Um, you know, taking away some of the the most common things of like you know uh, 
adding too much bulk, things like that, but just kind of a, a general strength training program. Why is it maybe better to lean into something that's a bit more runner runner focused other than the obvious that it's runner focused, but what, what does the runner focus maybe mean? Maybe that's a better way to ask the, answer the question as opposed to just, you know, going to the gym and going through the circuits, going through the machines, things like that. Um, why, why runner focus and what are some maybe, I guess I keep talking. I keep asking, asking maybe a better question. What are some good runner focused strength training, strength training exercises we can do, especially right now being at, stuck at home with all this yeah. coronavirus stuff going on. Um, what are some of those types of things and, and why, why runner focus versus general focus? Gosh, it's a terrible question, but sorry, go ahead. I'll, st- you I'll did, shut you up. You did now. great. <laughs> <laughs> so running, running specific programs. I, I tell, I tell the athletes who join my class, like this isn't just a fitness, um, circuit training, high intensity interval class. Like those, those might be fun, but I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to program a fun workout. I'm trying to program a research-based, scientifically proven strength training program to help target the muscles that are most often neglected in runners. So that is my goal. Um, I, I think some of the most important exercises may not be the, you know, the most entertaining that might be a little basic, but you know, sometimes the fundamentals is what people overlook the most. And I have people who are, you know, crushing it at F45 or crushing it at orange theory. And they come in and they can't do, like I said, a side plank with a leg raise or they can't do a heel raise. And I'm like, well, that that's great for fitness, what you're doing otherwise. But if you have a running specific goal, if you want to perform well, if you want to rehab well, you have to be doing running specific exercises. Um, so some of some of the ones that I'll always make sure are hit are, you know, like I said, always have the class end with like a heel raise and then a reverse like a toe raise for the shin um, complex because you need to keep the, the calves and Achilles healthy. Um, I always have people do some sort of like a lateral heel tap or a step up um, to kind of help target the quad. I'll do some sort of hamstring complex and both like a, at the knee hamstring exercise, but then also at the hip hamstring exercise because the hamstring crosses both joints. So you can do a bridge where your feet are almost pretty much extended all the way out, maybe about 20 degrees of knee flexion. And you do a bridge, you're going to feel that in a very different place than if you do a bridge with your knees bent towards your and your feet are touching almost your butt. So so that will target the hamstring a bit more. Um, those are great for people who have chronic like hamstring you know, tightness, quote unquote, um, or like tendinopathy injuries in the past. Um, I, when the equipment's available, I really think deadlifting is a great exercise. And I think it's important because it's a functional activity. So Mm -hmm. deadlifts and squats, you're not only training the runner to run, but you're also training them to sustain and with withstand the forces of life. So you don't ever want someone being, you know, being ready to to run a marathon next week and they hurt their back lifting up their laundry basket. So you also have to train them for life. So pushing, pulling, squatting, standing, all those, all those exercises are important. Um, so yeah, if you have a kettlebell or a couple of weights at home, doing some deadlifts, doing some squats, um, bridging side plank, it doesn't, it really doesn't need to be too complicated. I think people get very distracted with that shiny new object or that shiny new exercise. And, uh, yeah, it just almost takes away from the fundamentals of running. Running is a very pretty much basic movement pattern. And, uh, if you get too complicated, you kind of move away from, yeah, from the essence behind it. Yeah, I, I love the the use of the word fundamentals, both in running and in in strength training. I mean, there's a reason that you know you go back to like the the ancient Greeks and stuff, and it's like it's squats and it's push ups and it's it's dead, like I mean it's it's those simple movements that are functional that work you know more than just one isolated movement or one isolated uh, muscle group or body part. Um, those are the things that that I think are are I agree that are are the best types of things things to focus on. Do you have any? Um, 
resources, any, anything like that, that we can point people to? I, I know that you can do some online work with them as well, but anything that's, that's available on the website or social media, things like that, that we can make sure to, to highlight as well. Um, I, I have, yeah, my, my website, I'm still in the building phase of my business. So I'm really starting to try to focus on my content building side. Mm-hmm. So working on blog posts, Instagram posts, um, but a lot of like the resources that I look at, I, I love um, Matt Fitzgerald and his books. I love um, Chris Johnson. He's on he's on Facebook as Zaren PT, um, and he has a, a Facebook group called The Runner's Zone. Um, they're just two really fantastic resources that I found to be very helpful in my practice. Um, just yeah, the running podcasts in general are, are really helpful. I love just listening to a podcast, going out for a run, finishing my run and not even realizing I, you know, I'm just so in tune in the podcasts. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there. If anyone has any specific questions, you know, or anything in particular, they can reach out to me. It's probably too much for me to remember off the yeah. top of my head. It's all right. I just want to make sure there wasn't something really like, oh yeah, I've got this, this video thing or whatever. Like, you know, it would point people to it. Yeah. But, but yeah, lots of good resources I'm, out there. I'm st- unfortunately, I, yeah, I'm still building up my content. Um, I just did a webinar or it was supposed to be a workshop, just the resilient runner. Um, it was an hour plus maybe just a little bit longer than an hour on Saturday. It was supposed to be in person, but we did Zoom. Mm. So if anyone is interested in that, I they can email me. Um, I, I recorded that Zoom uh, awesome. meeting. So yeah, just resiliency. So not just strength training, but also what are you doing off the road that's, mm. you know, per- contributing to your recovery um, yeah. or your injury risk, you know, right. whichever way you're looking at it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's a whole nother topic that we could get into if we had some more time. Maybe we'll do yeah. this around two at some point. Cause I, I have some thoughts on, on that stuff as well, but, but definitely would encourage you guys to make sure you're, you're following Rebecca and, and check out the website as, as it continues to flesh itself out. I mean, I, I know firsthand that those things don't happen overnight, but you know, the, the, the library starts to, you know, gets built one book at a time. And so, uh, no, no doubt in my mind that there's gonna be plenty of resources to come. So I encourage you to, to keep checking that stuff out. Um, and, and Rebecca, as we're wrapping up today, one, one last final question that's not as, as specific to any, you know, uh, physical therapy things or strength training or anything like that, but just kind of a, a general, uh, call it the philosophical question to wrap up with just kind of something <laughs> open-ended here at the end. But, uh, would, would be curious, you know, in, in your, um, years, years of, of running now and, and, uh, you kind of really getting into the sport, falling in love with, with the sport of running. Um, I'm, I'm of the belief that running can be a great teacher. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself, about life, about other people, uh, during my, my years as running or years as a runner. And, uh, would be curious if there's, if there's a lesson or, or a takeaway or something that you've learned as a runner that, that kind of helps you, um, in other areas of your life, there's probably more than one, but if, you know, if there's one that we could kind of close with, you know, something that, that you've learned as a runner that kind of helps you as, as a physical therapist, as a spouse, as a mother, uh, just as a person in society, anything, anything's open game here. So what have you learned from running that's helped you in in your life as well? Um, running has just taught me to be patient and just know that I have, I have literally no control over everything that anything that happens in my life. So one day I'll wake up to run and I feel sick or one day you go out, you know, and you're, it starts lightning, you know, here in Florida that happens often, or you have a perfect week scheduled and then your son, you know, is sick and throwing up all night. So it just, you can't predict, you can't predict anything. You don't know what's going to happen. You just have to roll with the punches. You have to stay calm. You have to stay appreciative and, um, yeah, just being really grateful for what you do have, you know, in your life and, being able, every time I'm able to lace up my, my shoes and get out on the pavement, I'm just so grateful for that ability and my health. And mm. yeah, it's just really, I think that's the biggest thing. It's taught me to be grateful. Yeah. 
Love it. Love it. And I, I'm nodding my head. I think probably a lot of folks are nodding their head as well. It's, it's a good thing to, to remember that, uh, you know, even when they're in the midst of a coronavirus, there's still a lot of things to be grateful yeah. for, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of perspective to take. So, uh, guys, once again, I, I can't encourage you enough to, to connect with Rebecca. Follow along as she continues to, to build out the website, build out the library. Lots of resources come in. And just, you know, if you have questions, ask. She's clearly uh, a wealth of, even if you have a terrible question, she can still answer <laughs> it, as, as we've proved a couple of times today as well. So, uh, corevaluesptorlando.com is the website on Facebook. Same handle there, at corevaluesptorlando. On Instagram, at dr.rebecca.smith.pt. And again, that's Rebecca, R-E-B-E. CCA. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 830 is the link for today's show notes. We'll have everything linked up there as per usual. Photos, all the, all the nine yards. Dizruns.com slash 830. So, uh, Rebecca, thank you for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for uh, bailing me out with some of my terrible question answering skills. You'd think that after, after almost six years, I could figure out how to put a question together. But every once in a while, I get my, my tongue gets a little bit tied. So thanks for bailing me out there. Thanks for sharing so much knowledge and, and, uh, and advice today. And uh, who knows, maybe somewhere down the road, we can, we can settle up and maybe even do this again in person at some point. I can make the, make the drive up to Orlando. We can make this happen. But uh, again, thank you for the time today. Certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward and running in business and life and, and all of the things as well. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. It was really, it was really wonderful. All right. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Rebecca and myself. And as per usual, would be curious to know what stood out to you from today's conversation. What was something we talked about today that really kind of stuck with you, rattled around in your head a little bit, maybe even made an impression? For me, uh, it was towards the end there, uh, and it kind of got lost a little bit. Uh, you know, it was kind of at the end of something Rebecca said, then, then I kind of sort of switched the topic a little bit. But uh, it was all about the the value of fundamentals, and um, I'm gonna you know extravagate extravagate ex, ex, extrapolate. I think is the right word. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit more uh, in depth on this one. But but when Rebecca was talking about you know running is pretty simple, and when it comes to good exercises, they're you know stick with the fundamentals and don't get always get distracted by the the shiny thing or the new the new fandangled thing which more often than not we end up just shifting back to those you know the the tried and true the time tested the things that been around have been around forever the fundamentals if you will and how important it is to to work on those things you know again kind of putting together a few things that that we talked about today under this this umbrella topic of fundamentals but talking about strength training and and I'm guilty of this I'll, I'll allow you to throw your own self under the bus on this and I'm not going to pick on anybody, but you know, when Rebecca was talking about some of the best exercises, the best tests were to do single leg toe raises or side plank with raising the top leg up. At first I was like, that's pretty basic stuff. But the more I started to think about it, and I even admit it, like, I don't know that I could do the side plank with the, with the leg raised up. And, and while I think I can do the toe raises, the single leg toe raises while, while balancing, I would be wobbly. No question about that. So, Right there, you know, I, when I think of strength training, I'm thinking of squats and I'm thinking of lunges and I'm thinking of some plyometric stuff and, and you know, maybe, you know, I, I get guiltily, I get a bit complicated or looking for fancy stuff, progressing to, to step three, step four, step five with that, with, you know, just, I don't need to worry about step one. I don't need to worry about balance. I don't need to worry about stability through a range of motion as much or, or either I, I, don't think I need to worry about it. Or I just think I'm good there. You know, I'm beyond that. When more often than not, if we go back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, we're probably not as strong there as we might think that we are. You know, maybe there's some mobility issues that you look past 
but you could work on that. I know I can. I know I can. Maybe there's some stability issues that you look past, but maybe if you worked on that, it would make something else easier, better, more effective. I know that's also the case for me. So it was just kind of that, even though it was kind of something that, that almost got lost, I think, in the flow of the conversation, there was a little bit of a current, a little bit of a theme about don't overlook the fundamentals. Don't overlook the value of the fundamentals because they're important. They're important. And I think sometimes we think, oh, I've been, I've been running for three years, four years, six years, a decade, two decades. Oh, I don't need to worry about the fundamentals as much. I don't, I, I don't need to worry about my balance. Well, maybe if you worked on your balance, that would prevent an injury. It would propel you forward to a new PR. Something just as simple as working on your balance or a side plank or whatever, working on those fundamentals. So that's my takeaway today. Something that I am going to make a conscious effort to try to implement for myself. A little bit more time on the fundamentals, a little bit more time working on some, some simple exercises, some simple drills, some simple things that uh, maybe aren't as simple when you start to really get into it and test it out. And uh, maybe that's something that you want to do too. I'll leave that up to you, but it's definitely uh, a good reminder to me to not overlook the fundamentals of our sport or the fundamentals of anything for that matter. So that is it for me. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? What was your takeaway? Please let me know. Uh, you can slide into the DMs with your takeaways at at, uh, at Dizruns on Twitter and at Dizruns on Instagram as well. You can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com and leave your thoughts and feedbacks, comments and takeaways, you know, send them to me that way. Or you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at Dizruns.com slash 830. Take you back to the show notes today. We got links, we got photos, we got, of course, we got the Cliff's notes. Ellen's doing her, uh, her, her magic, her wizardry as always, pulling out links that I don't even recognize that were relevant links and, and writing up a great little recap of, of each episode. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 830 to check that out. And while you're there, scroll on down to the bottom of the post, bottom of the page. And there's a comment section. You can leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, and takeaways there as well. That way they can live on for perpetuity as opposed to just getting lost on social media, which is what ultimately ends up happening. But not until I get a chance to read them, not until I get a chance to re reply and hopefully have a little bit of conversation there. So whatever works best for you works best for me. Love hearing from you guys though. So let me know what your takeaway was from today's episode. And now as we're getting ready to pull this one into Harbor, one more time, one more plug for my coffee. Still, what kind of world do I live in where I have my own coffee, but it's, I'll take it though. I'll take it. It's a good world. It's a good world. Uh, despite all that's going on right now, it's a good world. Uh, and, and a good cup of coffee helps you get through it, uh, one day at a time. So if you need some coffee, you need something sent to the house, so you don't have to go out, don't have to, uh, engage with the masses and, and, uh, you know, break the rules of social distancing. Uh, just point your browser over to disruns.com slash coffee, order yourself two, three, four, five bags, uh, as much as you need to get yourself through, maybe a little bit more just in case, because, you know, like I said, who doesn't love a good cup of coffee once in a while? Um, and if you're one of those people, I would just argue that you just haven't had a good cup of coffee. So maybe you need some of that Dizruns coffee to get yourself through. Uh, but Dizruns.com slash coffee. Thanks to Siskin Roasters for the support. Uh, thank you all for the support and uh, hope that the coffee helps you as much as it helps me. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and officially pull this one into the old harbor, line it up at the dock and, uh, and, and shut it down for today. But uh, y'all, thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, please pass it on to a friend, tell a friend. Uh, we could all use a little bit of good news once in a while or a, a good recommendation as opposed to the latest uh, you know, updates on the not so good things going on right now. So if you like this one, tell somebody about it. And uh, I really appreciate it. It really helps the show. And until next time, y'all, please be well, take care, maintain your social distancing. Keep running. Until next time, y'all be well. See you guys.